0: You're listening to a live audio recording from Women's Bible Fellowship at LAFC. This is week five of the study Identity Theft, entitled Fruitful, Filled with the Holy Spirit. So you may have noticed that although the specific truths about who we are in Christ are quite different, we're seeing themes or concepts repeating It's not really because there's nothing new or nothing more to say, but it's that they're also weaving together a fuller picture of what these truths share as a whole. Like the analogy of the tapestry, you're all familiar with that. The threads and the layers complement each other as we grow in knowledge and in our relationship with Christ and our identity. So I realized a couple of weeks ago um, that... um, The parts of speech for our chapters aren't all the same. In fact, there are seven that are nouns and there are uh, three that are adjectives. And today's topic is one of only three of those chapters that use an adjective to describe our identity. So, I don't know, they all turned out to be on my week, so I don't know why that is. Jamie, you got all the nouns. (laughs) Um, But at any rate, Uh, So, reflection, child, saint, member, servant, worshiper, citizen, nouns. You can pretty much put them in your mind and see what they would look like. And then free, fruitful, and beautiful. So, nouns are the naming words. They represent a person, a place, a thing, sometimes a quality like courage or an action like a punch. Um, And adjectives are words or phrases that name an attribute added grammatically related to a noun or a pronoun, they modify. They kind of restrict and limit it. So these three adjectives do speak rightfully and powerfully, I think, to what scripture says about our identity in Christ. But you can't look at a free, or you can't see it, or you can't smell it or touch it. And likewise, uh, fruitful, today's topic, and beautiful, are not persons, places, or things. So, free is a state of being, either you're free or you're not free at the core. And fruitful decides a cap- describes a capability. When it modifies a person, it suggests that the person is doing something well or good, productive, useful, or worthwhile, right? And then beautiful, the delighting or pleasing <clears throat> of the senses or mind. We're going to look at that in a couple more weeks. So, I'll just stop right there with that one. Um, can we combine them? Um, as an adjective modifying a noun, absolutely. So we might say our identity in Christ makes us free children of God, or fruitful members of the family of God, or beautiful saints. They kind of weave together those adjectives and nouns. And, And perhaps you're wondering, why am I talking about English instead of talking about scripture? But I think that God has a reason. He gave us this way to express ourselves. And if I just say I saw the sunset last night, that'll give you a picture in your mind, right? But if I say the sunset was fiery last night, or if I say the sunset was a hazy sky blue pink, that was my grandpa's term, uh, sky blue pink sunset, it gives you more detail, right? You can see it more clearly. And so I think these adjectives that are by themselves and then with the nouns are really kind of um, important. And when we would say, for instance, a fruitful child of God, inextricably filled with the Holy Spirit, it gives us a much more specific vision and understanding and a clear path to explore. So there is lots in this brief chapter, but my four most important words this week are fruitful, abide, and Holy Spirit. That would probably make sense to you. (laughs) So let's jump into theft. Jasmine Holmes comments that our society is obsessed with going and doing and becoming and keeping moving forward, and at first glance, that sounds like being fruitful, doesn't it? There must be more to fruitfulness than that, or we could just wrap it right up here and go home early, right? No, there's more. Um, And what I would like you to do, we're just going to take a minute or two here at your tables again before we go further. But you remember a couple weeks ago when Jamie had you write on the inside front cover and you listed some things that you would consider part of your identity? Would you go there just for a minute, flip your workbook over and go to that page? So she asked us to just write down some things, words that we would use that would be part of our identity. So what I'd like to ask you to do now, and we're just gonna take a couple of minutes at this, so maybe take a minute to write down a couple things and then chat about it. I'd like you to zero in on one of those identities, just one that you wrote, focus in on that one. And then make a list of things you do that would be connected with that identity. So for example, a mom, or what would you do as a teacher, or what would you do as a, a daughter, or whatever, whatever the identity was. Just list some things that go along with that that you would say I'm being a fruitful, whatever. All right, makes sense. Mm-hmm. Okay, zero in and do that, and then just talk about them. Mm-hmm. We'll just take like three minutes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. All right. Keep that thought in mind as we're going through the next bit of time here, what you had for fruitful, and wh- and how it was done by yourself or with others. So <clears throat> Jasmine speaks of the type A woman, she speaks of the Proverbs 31 woman, and she speaks of the fruitful woman, and then, out of nowhere, she takes a detour, and she goes to Proverbs 4. Um, Excuse me, Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. Let me read you those again to refresh your memory. This is the New King James Version. Proverbs 26, 4 and 5. Do not answer a fool according to his folly, lest you also be like him. And verse 5. Answer a fool according to his folly, lest he be wise in his own eyes. I don't know if that jumped out at any of you while you were reading them, but let's go on. Same two verses in the New Living Translation. Don't answer the foolish arguments of fools, or you will become as foolish as they are. Verse 5. Be sure to answer the foolish arguments of fools, or they will become wise in their own estimation. So, first of all, how did we get from fruitful to fools? I'm not sure. It came up pretty fast there. Um, But what would seem controversial or contradictory between verses 4 and 5 speaks to the use of wisdom and discernment. I love Alsop's wise statements, I'm going to read you his quote. You cannot read Proverbs the same way you read the Ten Commandments. Yet many Christians fear situational wisdom. Some don't trust others to figure out what applies and how to apply it, so they enforce one-dimensional conclusions that don't allow for the nuances that much of the biblical Proverbs offer. The answer to such fear is to apply wisdom in ways that are actually wise, through the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Be in tune with the Spirit. That was the end of his quote. So be in tune with the Spirit. How do you do that? Well, you are justified, you are saved, and you therefore have the Spirit living in you as you are living in the Spirit. So there are perceived contradictions. And if I'm looking at identity theft, the the thing that seemed most applicable to me is that What Satan likes to do and what identity theft in this respect is all about is just confusion. Fruitfulness in Christ, he wants to, the theft is to confuse us, to lead us into kind of a quagmire of what we think we should do to be fruitful, right? Because we're all overachievers in this room, I can tell, just by looking at everybody. (laughs) So how we should work, how we should compete, how we should set our bar high, how we should do everything to every person, how we should be fruitful. It bears the watchful eye. Um, But before we leave theft, let me just ask. Okay, this is a show of hands. How many of you feel that you are totally capable of replicating the Proverbs 31 woman? (laughs) Okay. well, neither have I. Um, But that's the point, isn't it? We can't do it all, including being Wonder Woman, simultaneously excelling in all aspects of the Proverbs 31 woman. So let's go on to truth. John 15, 5 says, I'm the vine and you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me you can do nothing. According to John MacArthur, being filled with the Spirit is living in the conscious presence of the Lord Jesus Christ, letting his mind, through the word, dominate everything that is thought and done. Okay, and... There we go. Whoever abides in me and I in him. Um, John 14, uh, 15 through 17 says, if you love me, you will keep my commandments and I will ask the father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him for he dwells with you and will be with you. Okay, so um, let me see here. My mouse is a little tired. It had an accident this morning, so Mm -hmm. I'm pampering it. So there's abide and there's helper. And I'm gonna take a slight little detour. How many of you know what those are? Yeah. When I was a kid, I was a migrant worker, too. And I they would bring trucks into our local town. And we would uh, literally, i don't this wouldn't happen today, but they would, my mom would take us into town. We'd jump on the back of a truck. They'd take us off to the orchards of the vineyards. Lake Erie ran at the northern border of the county. And we'd go pick fruit all day, and they'd pay us. And we'd be happy and go home. And so although I had nothing to do with the management or the science of it, I can tell you that I did do a lot of that clipping and some of that time. So up in the t- upper left-hand corner here, That is um, what happens if you don't trim and if you don't prune. And it can happen fairly fast. They are perennial. Do any of you like have vineyards? (laughs) Okay, They are perennial. They come back every year, and they come back with all these branches and all these vines. And if they aren't trimmed back, it doesn't take very long before they look like that. And then you can see in the lower left-hand corner there, they do get tied. I got to practice some of that too. And the way they do it is uh, in the upper left-hand corner, they just trim them back. There may be, I don't know, I don't know the exact number, but there will be a lot of branches that come out everywhere. And then they will look at the, what seem to be the strongest ones and cut everything else, prune it, get away, get rid of it, so that the strongest ones can flourish. And then finally, what you get here, and after they even leaf out, and I didn't realize this, After they leaf out, they also go in and they take out, they pull off the leaves on the side that faces the sun. I'm seeing some people shaking their heads. So so that the grapes, the yield, will be the best when it has the sun. And in fact, I guess when they're laying out, originally when they're laying out vineyards, they set those rows with the sun, the direction of the sun in mind, so that they can remove the leaves and have the best yield. So all of that to say there is a lot of work that goes into that right and it's continual it has to happen all the time all year long um, from beginning to end some of that pruning goes on in the dormant times and so um, there are dormant times that also need to have rest first um, corinthians two sixteen says for who has understood the mind of the lord so as to instruct him but we have the mind of the christ so Our fruitfulness comes from the true vine, our Savior. He is Father God, the vine dresser. He cares for the vine, pruning the branches that bear the fruit and taking away the branches that do not. So when we've been justified, when we've been saved, free in him, we're given the privilege of abiding in him. We say those words, they're just so common in our mind. When you really stop and think about what that is, the Holy Spirit lives in us. The truth is, as Jesus aptly described with the metaphor of the vine, branches and fruit, once he's in us and we are in him, we need and have what he supplies. The water, the nutrients come from inside that vine. So when I was thinking the God who created a plant and then gave us the knowledge and the ability to help it grow and blossom to its full capability is the same God who trims and prunes his children. And we are the branches able to bear fruit for him because and only because we abide in Jesus. Jasmine says, we want to focus on the come and do. But the true m- message bids us to come and die. And let's go on to transformation because oh, there's this, hmm? I said, ooh. Come ooh, come and die. die, that's right. We don't like that. I know we don't like that. And uh, she goes on in the very next sentence, that come and die and ends that section for her. And she goes on to the next one and says, uh, she gives us really a huge clarification. She says, the doing is not divorced from the dying, but the dying comes first, right? And if you listen to just a couple, I just grabbed a couple of scriptures here, but 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. And Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So uh, Sinclair Ferguson, uh, four truths that she gave us are... um, Dealing with uh, depending on his grace. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do. Greater works than these will he do because I am going to the Father. It means being obedient to him. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. It means resting, I love this phrase. Resting your life, resting your life on the love of Christ. I never thought about it in quite those terms. But resting your life, not always doing in the terms of what we think, but resting your life on the love of Christ. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. That's John 15, 9. And then submitting to the pruning knife of God. Because what happens if we don't submit to the pruning knife of God? Think about the vine there that we saw. It's pretty easy to get to that quagmire. I don't know. I've been in that quagmire. Maybe you haven't, but I I can remember a couple times in my life when I've been in that quagmire um, of my own doing because I didn't submit. So um, those are pretty powerful directions. And of course, submitting to the Holy Spirit. So I wanted to just talk about one other aspect before you go to your workbooks, which is um, fruitfulness. I think we all tend to think of it as being fruitful. I hear people talking about watching other people for fruit. I want to see the fruit. So first of all, the fruit, we don't do it on our own when we just started if you if you attend church here we just started genesis and pastor tony spent the first couple of weeks just talking about how god created everything and longed for relationship with us right relationship and being together and dwelling together and tom daly just last week talked about male and female and how they're meant to be in relationship with god and with each other so all of us can do tasks by ourselves, of course, but true fruitfulness is something we do in community with other people for other people <laughs> to glorify God, right? Jesus reinforces the connection between relationships and fruitfulness in John 15 when he says, abide in me as I abide in you. So fruitfulness doesn't happen in isolation. I, tongue in cheek, it could kind of be considered a team sport, right? There's always somebody else there. Somebody else is helping, assisting, or made it possible for you to do something for someone else. Uh, Mark Roberts said, you can do good through your individual efforts, to be sure, but you will only experience full and true fruitfulness in relationship with each other's. If you want to make a difference that matters in this world, you can't do it alone. Community is essential for fruitful living. And then I would say, just think about Those who might benefit from your fruitfulness, and then think about those from whom you have received the results of their fruitfulness. You know, so I think of so many people in my life who've made a difference to me, um, and they were being fruitful. They may not have consciously said to themselves, I'm gonna go out and be fruitful today, you know, but there was a little lady teaching. Vacation Bible School where I came to know the Lord. I don't, you know, there are so many ways that we receive from others' fruitfulness as well as being fruitful ourselves. So God says be fruitful and Jesus says without me you can do nothing. Now if you were just listening to those words it sounds kind of like a conundrum. But he clarifies as we did nothing to be justified and saved but to believe in him and to receive his gift of salvation leading to our desire to please him So it is with our fruitfulness. He gives us gifts and he gives us opportunities to humbly serve others in his name in order to glorify him and him alone. So think about it. God created the world and wanted relationship in the beginning and there was man and he was with his children in Eden. And then there was sin. And then there was the tabernacle, and there was sin, and then there was the temple, and there was sin. And then Jesus came fully man, for 33 years and dwelt with his children on earth, and there was sin. And then he died and rose again, and the curtain was torn, and the temple was gone. And then we have the Holy Spirit dwelling, indwelling us. What a wonderful thing. We always say this again and again, but to be born in this age is amazing. And we know that eventually there will be a millennium, and then one bright day, we're going to dwell with Him in the new heaven and the earth. It just doesn't get any better than that, you know. So the relationship is there, and that's tied in with our fruitfulness, I believe. So, at that point, let's get to your workbooks, and we'll go until probably about. Time.